we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Are you ready to do stock up, stock down, and then get out of here, my friend? Let's do it. All right, let's do stock up, stock down for this bad boy. 22-17, the final score. The Texans win today. They're 7-5 and five on the season. We do four stock up and four stock down. And John always goes first. Boy, it's it's hard because there were a lot of them stars, today, John. Three stars in this game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take Nico Collins. They had nobody else at wideout helped at all. He had nine catches, 191 yards, 21.2 average per catch, a touchdown. He had gains of 59, 52, and 39 yards. He was fantastic right now. He has 59 catches, 991 yards, six touchdowns, 16 point. Eight average, and when I see Nico now, I'm thinking this: he's gonna get some big money. Yeah, um, he'll be he'll be three years in after this year is over, so he's allowed to get a contract extension. They got a ton of cap space to work with, a lot of money to spend. Do you think he's one of the? He, you think Absolutely. he's one of the contracts? You think they Absolutely. lock him up? Okay, they better lock him up. He's a big play guy. And tell you something else: since we talked about him. We don't know if Noel Brown and Robert Woods will be back next year. And this is an incredibly deep and talented draft for wide receivers. So that Browns pick, wherever it is, if they want to get a big play receiver there, wait till the second or third round, it is loaded. Yeah, there's a lot of receivers in this draft. And, John, I would submit, you know, well, Robert Woods will be back. He signed a two-year deal, so he'll be back. Um, but Noah Brown is the one, you know, he signed like a one-year $2.6 million deal. And just based on a, a few games middle of this season, he's probably set himself up, not here necessarily, but maybe somewhere else where he gets $5 million a year from some team. You know what I mean? Like it's my point being that guys are going to want to come here and play with CJ Stroud. Whatever that strata of receiver that you get to kind of fill out the rest of the receiver room, guys like that are going to want to come and play here with him. Now, I feel like their wide receiver room is pretty well set next year with, with Tank Dell and with Nico, with Robert Woods, Mechie. Xavier Hutchinson still in the building, but I'm with you. Like, you know, you start to get to Xavier Hutchinson and there's no sacred cows. He's a six round pick who's caught one ball this year. Um, I'm with you. I think a weapon, a weapon for CJ in the draft would be super exciting. It would be really exciting. Just flood him with weapons, man. And speed. I don't think Robert Woods is guaranteed being back for his second season. This no, season. I'm just saying he's under contract is all. Yeah. Like he's yeah, like I'm, I'm with 31. you. Yeah. He didn't do squat today. He needs these young guys stepping up and you mentioned Hutchinson Hutchinson's yeah. made plays when he's had a chance every time I know he's not getting chances this year unless somebody gets or somebody maybe he'll get chances now with tank out I yeah. want to see what Hutchinson can do I agree all right my first one is Will Anderson Jr. John who um this is this is why you traded up to get him with the third overall pick in the draft was games like today he was all over the place today pressuring the quarterback I don't know how many pressures he wound up with eight, he had eight. eight to season high Okay, well, he had seven. I knew he had seven in the middle of the third quarter. Um, he he had his first multi-sack game, uh, two sacks on the day, uh, four QB hits on the day, a couple of TFLs. Um, he even got his finger on a ball. Uh, the first interception that Derek Stingley had, he got his finger on that ball, so he had a pass defended. Um, I believe got a piece of the punt that was only yeah, a 22-yard punt. Yep. Yeah, so he was our guest. He was our guest on the post-game show, and, I man, I just – I can't overstate how much I love Will Anderson Jr. I think 
he he's a great player. He's an outstanding kid. Um, he's a phenomenal interview. Uh, he's just so good. And he said that um, he said that the thing that D'Amico Ryan's had been preaching all week was matching the physicality of the Denver Broncos. He said that was a number one on the whiteboard this week was physicality. And I thought the Texans, I thought the Texans lived up to that today. I thought they were a, I, I didn't look at either of those teams and say that team was way more physical than that one. I thought that both teams played very physical games today, but Will Anderson, super impactful, John. And he's, he, he's been solid all year, you know, anywhere from solid to good all year. He's having games now between this game this week, the Cardinal game a couple weeks ago. Like these are games that if like this becomes the norm for Will Anderson, he's in the Nick Bosa, uh, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year type conversations. When he, when he starts to do this on a week in week out basis, that's what we got used to with JJ Watt. Like you would get used to opening up the box score and just, just there's a slew of crooked numbers across the, you know, his box scores five, three, four, two, three, six, you know, like, and it's all just it, all indications of being super active and super impactful. And I couldn't be happier for Will Anderson today. And on Wednesday, we're going to find out who he passes the Lombardi Trophy to because uh, the, the big event is here at the Royal Sinesta Hotel. And the four finalists are in. And uh, and uh, it's going to be a big evening in Houston. And he, he won the 49th, and we'll find out he's going to win the 50th. My next one, Derek Stingley Jr. Can't wait for the Jets game. Sting versus Sauce. Stingley's had four interceptions since he's come back. And remember, when he went on IR, a lot of people wanted Casario fired because he had drafted him and Kenyon Green. Yep. And he's showing why they drafted him third overall. Those interceptions that he makes, one was on the ground that Will Anderson tipped. The other one was a leaping, diving, flying interception like a wide receiver. And he's made some hard hit. He broke up four passes. So Derek Stingley Jr., he and Will Anderson, third overall picks, they're getting their money's worth. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, John, my last one is C.J. Stroud's a little too easy uh, to, to have in here. So I'm going to go – I you know, I'm going to go with Brevin Jordan today. Three catches for 64 yards in the game today. You mentioned him earlier, 21 yards a catch. Did have a drop in the game that was unfortunate. Um, kind of a you know, little, little quick seam route that, that he should have held on to probably. Um, but, uh, but when Brevin Jordan gets ahead of steam, man, like he's, he, he can be an impactful football player. Uh, they needed him today. There was no Dalton Schultz out there today, John, if they can, especially with tank Dell now out, if there's some things that they can throw at other teams where they've got both Dalton Schultz and Brevin Jordan on the field, and they're kind of threatening that intermediate part of the field. Um, maybe that's one way they sort of cobble something new offensively without the threat of tank Dell out there. But I was happy for Brevin Jordan. He knew all week long that this was going to be his most important game as a Houston Texan. And for the most part, he played like it today, um, made the big catch that you talked about to get them in position to get their their um, their their other touchdown today. Uh, so um, uh, Brevin Jordan is my other stock up today. OK. All right. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, do you want to do stock down now, John? Um. I could go either way on this okay. because the offensive line was awful. But the running backs, you know, in the second half, the Texans had 13 carries and 12 yards. Jeez. In the first half, 17 carries for 77 yards. Okay, I thought, boy, they're on the pace for 154. 
Broncos are giving up an average of 155, and they just stunk it up in the second half. You take away Damian Pierce's 22-yard run, and he had 14 carries for 19 yards. That's not even two yards of carry. And I hate to blame the backs because it's the run blocking more than the backs, but it was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to add my stock down here to um, just the team in general, the running game in short yardage. I don't think I've ever rooted for a team, John, where it feels like short yardage is so grueling for them to the extent that that half the time they got to want just line up and shotgun now and throw the football on short yardage. Um, There's times where Bobby Slowick gets super cute on short yardage and it doesn't work. Here's the biggest thing for me, John, now is that it looks like in these short yardage situations, at least they did it a couple times today is that they're, they're going to start leaning on CJ Stroud more on the QB sneaks to get the first down. And I turned to Landry locker sitting next to me when he, he got the, he got the third and one in the second half And I turned to Landry, I said, man, I do not like that this is becoming the staple to get the first downs. I get it. You go with your most effective plays. And maybe we have some PTSD in this town about QB sneaks based on Matt Schaub hurting his foot back in 2011 on a QB sneak with Albert Hainsworth's fat ass falling down on top of his foot. But I turned to Landry and I said, man, I do not like them having to do this with C.J. Stroud, who's already taking five sacks in a game. They're doing this. And, John, no fewer than five seconds later – CJ is getting walked off the field by the officials to get examined for presumably for a concussion in the tent. And I turned to Landry and said, that's why I don't like it. You know, you're putting your, your best asset in harm's way. This is what the ineptitude on short yardage has yielded for us, John. It's yielded the fact that the best play for them to get first downs is putting their most important asset in complete harm's way. That is and a it, huge stock down for me. They did it three times, and it worked every time, so they're going to be tempted to keep doing it. Yeah. And that can backfire. You saw with Tank Dell what can happen to a scrum when your knee yeah. gets bent. Keep Stroud away from that. Every once in a while is fine. Yeah. But like you said, don't make it your mainstay yep. for what you're trying to accomplish. What's Just might next? as well spread them out and yeah. let him throw on third before the fourth. Yeah, I mean, it's that's uh, – the, this QB sneak, excessive QB sneaking. He, he ain't a tush push guy, you know? Um, so uh, what's your other stock down, John? Well, you brought it up earlier and I cut you off. That's okay. It was the officials mm-hmm. who robbed Desmond King of a touchdown. He stripped the ball. He took it away from the receiver. For some reason, they called him down, made no sense. It wasn't trying, they weren't trying to protect the receiver because nobody else was coming in there to drill him. There was no reason to blow a whistle and stop that play. He was just the two of them, and it happened instantaneously. And when I think the Texans have been screwed, I always want to look at what the national media says and to just because make sure I'm not because I'm, it's the Texans I cover, but all of them said he got screwed on that. Desmond King had nine tackles, a team high, it's too bad he didn't get that touchdown that he deserved. Yeah, we should give a bonus stock up to Desmond King as well, I think, in this game. He was he was all over the place. Uh, he got screwed on that play. John, they, if the officials – that's another sort of gateway to this game becoming close. If the officials get that call right, then the game's over. It's 23-3 to at that point. They're like the Broncos had done nothing. It almost felt like that play kind of gave them a little bit of life, you know, because they – instead, they it was a third down, so instead of a touchdown, it, the Broncos did have to punt – but they got a pretty good punt on the play, and the Texans, instead of 23-3, to 3, 
it's still 16 to three and the Texans are starting at their own, you know, 15 yard line at that point. And on a day where the only times they were really moving the ball was when they were hitting deep shots to Nico Collins. So that I thought that play was not only, it wasn't just the seven points in a vacuum. It was the juncture in the game that had happened. If they, if they uphold that play and they allow that touchdown, it's curtains. The Bron- this, that Broncos team is not coming back from a 20-point deficit in a game where they've only scored three points the entire day. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Um, my last stock down, John, uh, the Texan season ticket holders who sold a That's a good one. Yeah, who sold their tickets to Bronco fans. Like, this ain't 2022. It's embarrassing. This is, this is not 2022 or 2021 where you're just trying to recoup your cost or you're angry at the team or something like that. Not only are they winning, like they're one of the most exciting teams to watch play offense with CJ Stroud. This was a big step backwards, I thought, for you know, operation fill the stadium, which the Texans feels like it's been like this almost separate project they've been working on all year. They've got the big project, which is getting a good football team again. That one's going swimmingly well right now. That one's going beautifully. The other operation of getting people actually back into the building to watch this good football team play once again has been a slow burn. It's, you know, and they're doing everything they can. I don't, I don't blame anybody in the business office for where we're at right now on the optics of things. And I know ticket sales themselves always exceed what we see with our own eyes. Plenty of tickets were sold for this game today. The problem was a ton of them, especially in the lower bowl had bright orange jerseys on for this game. So I think just in general, um, I, I, and I would never try to shame somebody into going to the game, but I, I will say it's just really disappointing that, so many Texan fans sold their tickets to a game that's, you know, it's the most important game they played in this stadium in, 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 uh, well, most important game they played in a week compared to last week's Jacksonville game. But let's, let's kind of look at it as like holistically, like this stretch of football is the most, every game during the stretch of football becomes the next most important game that they played in, in however long. That's how I choose to look at it. Like this whole second half of the season is one gigantic, important big game and for so many Bronco fans to be there especially after things got so loud and awesome relatively speaking during the Jacksonville and Arizona games um, it was loud only for the Texans in those games that was tough to watch today I'm guessing they bought those tickets after the schedule came out when everybody thought the team was going to be terrible what bothers me more is people that buy tickets and don't show up that is embarrassing. Why they spend their money and don't come, whether it's the lower blow, bowl, upper. I was looking at all these empty seats. I just don't understand why you pay the money and you don't show and you don't give your tickets away. Sean, I know so many people, and I know you do too, who'd love to come to the game if they could afford the tickets. It's just, it's an embarrassment. We, we may need to, uh, not not we, me and you. I, Landry did this last year and I thought it was really cool. Like last year was... There were tons of people that didn't want to use their tickets for obvious reasons. The team stunk. But Landry was doing a thing on the air last year, Landry Locker, that I thought was really cool. Like He was like, hey, man, if you're not going to use your tickets, then call the show right now. We can get your information and then let somebody use them who's never been to a game before. you know. And the only two games they have left at home are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And I'll be... I'll be I'm fascinated to think of what Christmas Eve is going to look like, John, because chances are... Well, chances are they're going to come back nine and five from this. I, I think they're going to beat the Jets and the Titans in the next two weeks. Worst case, they split and they're eight and six and still very much in the playoff hunt going into the last three games of the year. I'm really anxious to see what that Christmas Eve game looks like because I think 
and I'm I'm nervous because I think it's going to look like the reaction you just had. Oof, when you said that. I think there's a ton of people that would love to use tickets and give them to somebody as a Christmas present and go see the Texans and the Browns play. They can't afford tickets. You know what I mean? Like I, I'd love to figure out some sort of brokering broker system for people who are just punting on these tickets and not going to use them and waste them to get them in the hands of somebody who will actually sit in the seats and go to the game. I believe the Texans have something on their website for people that don't want to use their tickets. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, I, I, we need to find that out then and make it public because um that's going to be a big game, that Cleveland game. And I think they're going to win the next two games. I think they're going to beat Tim Boyle and the Jets next week. I think they're going to beat Will Levis, who got in DeAndre Hopkins' face at one point today. That was always in, That's always interesting to, to watch. Spoiled little Connecticut boy Will Levis going after his teammate D-Hop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know something about spoiled Connecticut people, John. Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, but I think they come back here on Christmas Eve, nine and five, very much in the, very much in the, in the mix in the AFC playoff picture. That game could get flexed too. Could get flexed on Christmas Eve. Some one of them's going to get flexed because I think it's the Patriots on there right now. Even though the Browns lost, they're both tied right now. Yeah. I think it'd be so, so great if the Texans draft choice that they get from Cleveland is better than the draft choice the Cardinals get from the Texans. I bet on it right now. John, I, I don't think this is sustainable. Cleveland with Joe. Joe Flacco played about as well as he could possibly play a quarterback today. They lost by two touchdowns to the Rams, and yeah. he threw an awful interception in the fourth quarter. We were on – Brandon Scott and I – Brandon Scott did the post game for Clint Sterner today, and uh, Brandon and I are on the air during the post game show watching that game while we're doing the scoreboard section. And that game was ongoing while we were doing it. We're like, yeah, you know, the Broncos are, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the Browns are trailing the Rams 20 to 19. Hey, man, Flacco's played pretty good, though. And we're reading his, literally reading his stats. And he hadn't thrown any interceptions yet. And Brandon starts going into this whole thing about, like, how, yeah, man, like Flacco, like he was really lauding Flacco for how he was protecting the football. And granted, he, he barely finished two sentences about it before Flacco just throws up an old school Flacco floater in the middle of the field. That the defensive back practically fair catches and returns back to the back to the Browns' 30-yard line. It was uh, it was uh, it was pretty pretty funny.